this is drought time on, let's see, it is September the 8th, 2021. And uh, I think this one's going to be a business-centric drive time episode. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, resigning and people quitting and, and just kind of, the. let's dissect that a little bit. So I have highlighted the steps of what you should probably do before you quit, right? You know, I think... Uh, Maybe a year ago or half a year ago, I was going in detail about, okay, well, this is the first move you make, this is the second move you make, this is the third move you make, and um, those are prudent steps that you take. Um, like, for instance, first thing you do is you waste all of your vacation time, you use up any kind of benefit that you have to you, you get dental work done, you have surgeries done, or any kind of, um, any kind of benefit that you have, go ahead and take care of those things. also have to do is like kind of plan it out now I understand that some people are going to sit here and say well I'll quit when I want to quit and that's how it does that's fine I mean you're an individual person you can do what you want right and even as a like not a business owner but a person who runs an organization I, I feel the same way you could do what you want to do and, and honestly <laughs> honestly uh, and I'll highlight this in a little bit is your actions affect the business as long as we have, we make it affect the business. So what I'm saying is if you have like 10 people on staff and every one of those people of those 10 are key people and then one leaves, you've made that person so important to your business that it, it had to be that way. It had to be that way, you know. To me, it feels like feels like I get that you're going to put people in key positions. I do. I completely understand. Um, because you have to, right? You have to have, if you're a person, uh, I guess at a restaurant, right? Let's say you're the chef of a restaurant and then you have like a sushi. And the sous chef is the next person, right? In the line of succession, that is your second-in-command. That's the person who also ensures that productivity is, is taken, taken care of, prep is taken care of. Um, most people consider this like an assistant manager, right? The, the next person in line. That's a key person. And, and you have to make sure that that person is in lockstep with you. Yes, I understand there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be things of that nature. But, uh, but at the same time... You know, we have to make sure, as an organization, that uh, that it doesn't just fall on the main person, right? You have to put other support pieces around them. So, if you have people in place that are super important to the business, regardless of what you do, whether you work in retail, whether you're a chef in a kitchen, uh, maybe you're doing like administrative work, paperwork, or something along those lines, right? Um, those lines where it's like those lines of uh, okay, hey, I'm the lawyer and I got a paralegal and the paralegal has to do a certain amount of work and right, you have key people. So that lawyer gets bogged down with paperwork because they didn't have enough paralegals. So what's the alternative? Hire more paralegals? Yeah, 
always have one extra person than what you're supposed to have? Probably. That way casework and all this other stuff gets done. Definitely. So, I, um, I, I, I find it hard to hire people in my current, uh, town or, or situation or, or whatever you call that. Like, the idea of having, uh, more people than what you need is, it's good and bad in a lot of ways. Yes, it's good for the organization, but it's also bad for the organization. So, it's good for the organization because you do have enough manpower or whatever you want to call it in order to get the work done. The problem is, is that you have enough like, people to do the work. Sometimes you, you don't have enough work, right? Um, and then that creates over budgeting, over labor. don't go well, well then you're going to need to attract business. You're going to need to uh, pull back and usually that means some kind of overhead change and uh, you know for me that always is just like oh, okay you want to pull back a bit and, and consider and consider that so I've always had, like I was saying, I always had trouble hiring people in my area because the population, uh, the education level, um, you know, the, the standards in which we want, it's not, uh, it's not really, it's not really there. You know, the more people that you bring on to an organization, the easier it's going to be for you to succeed. But at the same time, if business is not going to do anything else. I mean, 
had paid off all of her vacation, her ability, like anything that she had entitlement to her, went ahead and paid all that. Because we wanted to make sure she was taken care of. Well, I don't know if Brittany was dissatisfied with that or if Brittany was upset about uh, the way things happen because 
but the pay structure when I looked into it was not good. Uh, and I had been promised something completely different from the reality. You know, the perception was different from the reality, and I decided to leave after a week and say, hey, you know, you don't kiss my ass somehow. Uh, I think they were only paying me like $1,200 or something like every two weeks, something crazy shit like that. And I was like, oh, no. I mean, this was more recent, you know, this is maybe, maybe the last three years of my life at this point, you know, and I was like, no, this shit ain't gonna work, I'm not gonna work at this job for $1,200, you know, and then the second time was, uh, second time was, we, uh, second time was I had a better opportunity lined up, the organization was a shitty organization, it was poorly run, this was the organization that took me to Arkansas. But, uh, yeah, it was a shitty run organization with some real, just slick people at the wheel. And, uh, I had no passion to do the job. Um, I think I told them that. Like, hey, I have no passion to do this, to do this job. Um, like, well, your performance has been, uh, what can we do to get you excited? You just gotta go out there and, uh, you know, something about the day. It was, it was a phrase. Rise and grind. Ugh. Now, don't get me wrong. Damon Johnson, or Damon James? Damon Wayne? Something like ah, it's Damon something. He's off a shock, shark tank. He has a book called Rise and Grind, and it's about you hustling. Um, you know, you adamantly going in to what you believe, uh, like your side hustle or whatever it is. You, you're getting up early and you're grinding out. The, the details to, to make you know your life what it is it's it's a very nice book it's a business book I recommend it it is a uh, rise and grind now that guy which is like the organizational leader the regional whatever some bullshit guy Jagoff, he took that concept of rise and grind and he he said it every morning hey guys rise and grind it's like uh, and then because we had this group text thing uh, WhatsApp, you know, it was like, oh yeah, you you on WhatsApp? Or you, you gotta get WhatsApp. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't want to be arbitrarily forced to have to communicate with you people every fucking day, you know. And it's like, oh yeah, you gotta call out. You gotta call out. You gotta call out your wins. And it's like, fuck you. Like it's some bullshit business organizational thing where it's like, if you are if you're competitive, then you're gonna see what other people are doing. It's gonna motivates you to go out and get your own wins and bullshit, 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 bullshit. And, um, this guy would use the rise and grind, uh, term, which was not really what it meant. I mean, if anything, if you've read the book, it's like, Hey, this book actually says the opposite of what we're doing. Not necessarily the opposite, but I mean, it's like your personal side hustle, your personal thing that you really want. You rise and grind on that. Your dead end job, your, your nine to five job. Stop fucking with that. Right. Um, very, very, very similar to like the Gary Vaynerchuk, um, you know, mentality of, you know, your life is, or the bullshit that you've got going on in your life. That's, you know, that's essentially kind of holding you down, weighing you back and fuck that shit. Fuck that bullshit. You can, uh, you know, you can get, you can get better results, um, you can get better results for your life if you want to. X, Y, and Z, you know, so, it's just, uh, it's, I don't know, it's like, you can get better results from your life, 
doing what you want to do, trying to find a niche, trying to, you know, whatever, X, Y, and Z. And I really like a lot of Gary's shit, but, you know, I, it just, I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't hit me. I, sometimes it sounds, you know, snake oil pills. It kind of sounds very salesy, but um, it's also very real. So I think that he's a very good uh, communicator when it comes to mixing the bullshit and then also makes it like his real personal um, success but anyway I mean we're sidetracking a lot but um yeah I just rise and grind this fucking assholes and it was just like okay guy I mean that's not what the book I mean I went back and I read the book because I wanted to make sure that I I, I disliked it in the right context right like, I wanted to take the author of the book and read his opinions on what was going on, like about his story and his journey, about how you have to be adamant about getting up and getting the business. Not get he's trying to translate that into this organization, but my opinion, my interpretation of it is you gotta find your own personal your own personal thing and go do that. And then you have to rise early and grind on that until you're successful. That's my concept of that book and that was my interpretation of it. Maybe interpreted wrong. Either way, it annoyed the fuck out. Um, and this, you know, all these guys were just hoopball, competitive people. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, but they weren't that competitive in the way that like actual competition, like everything is fair competition. Like, for instance, if it was customer count and we saw, uh, let's say 200 customers, right? If another location saw 700 customers, and they made three times the business as me, like, how is that fair, right? This organization is calling out their 700 customers, they're calling out the big wins that they had, the big deals that they closed, the big uh, transactions that they made, and it's like, okay, hey, they got momentum, they got the big mo, no big deal, but why should now I be like, oh, I gotta go out and find the business, it's like, guess there's sophisticated and smart ways that you can figure out you know how to be successful in that but if you have very little passion about it you're not going to figure it out it's not going to happen um, anyway so off that side box and that side note um, you know four jobs I can remember in recent memory two of them I've explained the the third one was let's see was, third one was the first job I ever had I just walked out was uh, I was being kind of kind of bullied in a sense like I was just like yo man I'm, I'm done I'm out like y'all can, can kiss my ass you know I did what I needed to do and then I came back to the organization like maybe I don't know let's see I quit November September somewhere around there September and then I maybe summertime coming back and saying hey I want to join back up um, I was like I think there's enough water in the bridge and it's like I remember the speech the guy gave me too my, my old boss his name was Roman that was his real name too uh, I, mean, I won't protect him he was he was a really cool guy um, <laughs> Roman and uh, he was he was a cool guy but 
I remember in the speech when I went back and talked to him because I think I talked to him on the phone. I said, hey, this is uh, Sabi. I wanted to see if maybe you would be interested in employing me again. Uh, you know, I know I walked out, but you know, I think if we talk about it, I don't think that I was wrong in my justification. I think that I was right. I wasn't going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, I was adamant about being right because even still then as like a 17 year old, 16 year old kid, I was adamant about being right. I think I worked with him when I was 16 and then I came back when I was 17. And, uh, so I, I started working with him when I was 16. I do maintenance. I do like fryer and stuff. It was a fast food place. And, um, I used to work with them that way. And I don't care what happened, but I got pissed off because this guy was talking shit or he was doing, something was happening. And I can't remember the finer details. I remember the conversation to come back. I just don't remember finer details. I remember clocking out, I got paid 750 uh, because I, my hourly wage was, uh, I got paid $7.50. I still haven't collected uh, yet from the government or anything. Uh, but yeah, $750, no, $7.50. Because minimum wage was like five twenty-five back then. Minimum wage was like five dollars and twenty-five cents. So I worked an hour and a half exactly, and it ended up being like seven fifty or some shit like that. It was wild. Like I, I mean, I had the five twenty-five in my hand, and then I guess whatever half of five twenty-five is, or maybe it was five fifty. I don't fucking know. But all I remember was I got seven dollars and fifty cents on the check, and I never cashed it. I wish I would still have it. And something tells me that if I go back and look at all my stuff from high school and, and like there's going to be a, a check from Jack in a Box that says $7.50. Like, and it's going to be like 20-year-old check. Um, <laughs> just because I was like, nah, man, I'm going to stand on my principles. I'm going to believe. So anyway, when I come back and talk to Roman, who was the GM of the place. Uh, well, actually, he was like the district manager of the place. He was grooming himself to be the district manager of like three or four locations and then he was like so what ended up happening was all the stores were corporately owned right they were all corporately owned um so he was like a corporate manager he had a corporate boss um and he was like the guy who was the store manager at my hometown but he was also like a guy who helped out the surrounding towns. He would bounce to this place. He would bounce to that place. He would bounce to this place. And, and he would be like overseeing different parts. He would oversee the schedules. He would oversee all these different things. So I even told him, I was like, listen, man, I've got aspirations to go to college. I would like to make some money before I do that. I've got about a year. Um, if you hire me back and make me one of your managers, after my first year of college, I will come back and work for you during the summer as a shift manager. And uh, that was kind of the best deal and the worst deal I ever made because I was, I was, it was interesting. My, my, uh, my freshman year of college, I worked a part-time job at Jack in a Box. And by then, I think I was being paid like $8 an hour or something. So I started, uh, I worked there that full year, uh, working the window. I really didn't ever enjoy my college life. 
because I didn't need to, right? I, I, I had a car that broke down the first semester, and then I got in a second car, which was my red car, um, like in my second semester. So I, I had worked out exactly how much money I needed to survive. I needed how much money to pay off this uh, school. I need, you know, I was a guy who was like, I'm gonna pay for my school. I'm gonna go do this. Um, so my freshman year was over. I had um, I had gone back to my hometown to regroup, um, and I was like, okay, here we go, here we are. Uh, I remember vividly kind of the idea of, okay, I'm regrouping, I have this job at Jack in a Box, I'm a shift manager, I'm getting paid eight seventy five or maybe $9.25, and I was like, hey, $9.25, that's, you know, eight seventy five. that's a pretty good wage, I can do X, Y, and Z with it, um, and I, I had it all calculated, and then I remember bouncing and working in different places, like different districts. By then, they had already started franchising a lot of the stores. So my district man, well, my store manager, who became a soft district manager over like four stores, three stores, um, he ended up staying corporate, but all these other stores were getting franchised off, like an owner was taking over. And um, when I got back to Huntsville, Texas, where I went to college, um, there was my uh, manager, her name was Linda, she, which is her real name, uh, she was such a nice woman, such a, such a nice person. And, um, you know, she, she was a person who helped me. And I told her, I was like, Hey, listen, I could be your assistant manager. I know we don't really gel as much, but I'm going to be dedicated to coming into work. I'm going to run this shift. I'm going to try to make business. I'm going to try to make, you know, this stuff go. Um, you know, I'll work overnights for you. I'll do, I did a lot of stuff for her because I really liked her. She was a very kind and generous person. Um, and I was a part of her management team and they were opening two in that town of Huntsville. They had the regular, um, they had the regular one on Sam Houston Avenue and then they had the one on the loop by the highway. And the one on the loop by the highway was <clears throat> the one that we were, uh, the one that we were doing, right? That was the one that we were going to. So we had a whole bunch of people. Uh, and I remember showing up uh, July or June, July, so like August, because school was starting in a couple of weeks. And I was training at this little box house facility. And I was like, this little rinky dink rundown, small place. And then it's funny how you remember things. Um, but yeah, so I, I quit the first time. When I was in my hometown, when I was like 16 years old, I quit and walked out. And then, uh, and then later on, I, I get back with this job and I end up having it for, I don't know, the next, I, I quit Jack in a Box at like maybe 19 years old, 20 years old, somewhere in there. And, you know, really, truthfully, I joined back up at 17. I probably quit when I was 19, 20, somewhere in there, because after I got done I came back my sophomore year of college and I found a job pretty quickly after that. I found a job, um, I found a job, uh, being a photographer, being like a school, well, I was already a school photographer, but I was, um, I was a guy who was, uh, also doing, Photography. I worked at a photography studio. 
and that was all of my, um, I had no, no December. So I quit Jack in a box. Um, I, and I did a two weeks notice of a resignation. I, I did that right. Um, and then I moved into this photo studio and then I worked at the photo studio all the way until I quit and left and moved to, um, I moved to, uh, to, to Tennessee in Kentucky for that summer. This was my sophomore year summer. And I had the same prospect of going back home and working at Jack in a Box. And, and, you know, I knew how much money I would make there. I knew how much stuff I would get. Or, you know, go into the sales organization and see what I could do there. Now, mathematically, I should have gone to Jack in a Box because I didn't make any money. And I actually kind of had some soft debt. What I mean, soft debt is not the debt that you have. Soft debt is like you owe somebody something. So my dad had bought me tires on my car before I left. The tires that I would eventually rip out and be stranded on the road because I hit a tree trunk. Um, and that's a different story. That's a completely different story. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I remember having that happen to me. And... Uh, and yeah, so I, um, I was, that's the easiest way of saying this. I, I was, uh, in debt to my father because I felt like he put out this money for me to, to have this experience. It didn't go well. So I wasn't able to pay him back. And then maybe two years later when I finally had income and I finally had a solid job and I finally had financial situation kind of fixed and I had made more money and I, I finally paid him back the money that he had used because I kept the check. Um, I kept the check on me uh, at all times to say, this is how much you owe your parents and this is how much you owe your dad. And it was like one of those things that I wanted to lift that, that burden off my shoulders. And, um, Anyway, it's just something I recall. Um, yeah, uh, it's just, you know, just that kind of thing. And, you know, I got back and then I, I kind of got on my feet. I started working a part-time job at uh, Walmart and uh, I continued to work at Walmart, you know, God, for a full year, I guess, while I was in my hometown again because I had to recuperate. It was flat broke. And then I moved back up to Huntsville for my junior year, but I took a year off technically to get back on my feet. My junior year, by then my wife was already in her senior year, so my junior year I buckled down, got my stuff, and then uh, my senior year happened after that. And as far as like, like as far as um, like pathways, different things, I worked at Walmart from my off year, my junior year. My senior year and then a little bit past my senior year after I was already graduated so I mean I was I was there for a solid four years and then I started moving on to do other things um, and of course that's all highlighted and you know I, I don't actually think I chronologized my whole employment history and I kind of don't want to because um, you know, that was pretty much the first start of my life. I moved on to several other jobs. I had sales jobs where I was talking to people on the phone. I had oil changing jobs. I mean, some of it was with Walmart where I was, you know, a, a grease monkey essentially. And I, I learned how to change oil. I learned how to, you know, do different things, tires. And there's a lot of stuff that I, I learned. Um, you know, I learned a lot about cars uh, in another position later on. 
Uh, what else did I do? Oh, I became a manager. I moved into a, a proper management program where they taught you human resource. And they, it has an extensive process of like 13 weeks, that but two months, of training you how to be a better person, a better manager. Uh, you know, how to consider the business, how to look at reports, how to do X, Y, and Z. And, and honestly... I, I, I go look back on my time with Walmart and I dislike it for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the politics, the bullshit, the, the, you know, the things you have to go through. But the one thing they did do was train me and I had a good mentor and I haven't had a very good mentor since I I haven't had somebody that I can turn to and say, man, I, I really don't know what to do. And, um, you know, I wish I had that person in my life. I don't know where I would find this person. I don't know where uh, this person is for me personally. I want to be able to sit here and say, man, I wish I had this person in my life, but I don't. Um, the truth is I, I just don't. I look to people in my in my, in my my family and I'm like, well, I, I could, but then I you know, have no idea. I mean, I could send an email almost to anybody and say, hey, you know, I'm looking for a mentor. Can you help me out? It's like, yeah, but will they help me out in the right way? You know, what kind of uh, demonstration, what kind of things do I need to do for my life? What kind of books do I need to do? What kind of experience do I need to have? What kind of um, things would I need to have and put together in order to um, to do those types of things? And the truth is, I don't know. It's because it's why I haven't had it. Um, anyway, I just... I, I, I have these situations where people quit on me and they just quit out of the spot and it takes me down kind of a memory road um, and just kind of the times that I've done it and the third time was was that so the first time was when I was uh, when I was in uh, I was a 16 year old uh, second time was just recently or and I'm sorry the last time was just recently I probably about the last three years or whatever. I just quit on the spot because I knew that this job wasn't for me and they wouldn't pay me enough. They screwed my pay structure up. And and even after the fact that, you know, they, well, what could have we done different? I was like, y'all could have paid me what y'all told me you are going to pay me, um, you know, instead of screwing me over. Um, anyway, it's just, I remember times where I was just like, ah, I'm good. But that's also, I already had a lot of things set up. Like I already had the next thing set up. Like, I, don't, I mean, if you follow me, that's cool. If not, then that's fine. But I already had the next thing set up by that, by that, by that, I mean, like I had the, my next job ready to go. So like I, I would quit on a Friday and next Monday I would start a job. Like that's, that's how I usually do it. I know, I know it's weird because now I'm sitting here thinking like, well, you know, if I do that, it'll be the same thing. I'm like, yeah, it will be, it will be the same thing. I'll finish on a Friday and then start on a Monday. And that's my, you know, that's usually what I did. I mean, when I quit the last job going into this job, I gave them a notice. I told them and they didn't want me to, to serve it. They just said, Hey, we're good with you. And that's not me quitting on the spot. Really. That's just them kind of saying, we don't want you. And that kind of hurts. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's like, you know, they pull you off the schedule, they take you off of the thing, and it's just like, it's just like, okay, you know. Mm. Anyway, it's been drive time. Appreciate y'all listening. Thank you.